life. You are blessed. It's a blessing to have you once again. And we're going to have an awesome time in God's word. Verse 19. So three things. No access. Position lost. And replaced. If it pleases the king, let a royal or decree be issued by him and let it be written in the laws of Persia and Media so that it cannot be repealed. That Vashti may no longer come into the presence of King Ahasuerus and let the king give her royal position to another who is more worthy than she. We have to replace this lady Give her royal position to another who is more worthy than she. So there is a replacement that has to take place. She disobeyed the king and she must not have access into the presence of the king. She has to lose her position and we need to replace her with someone more worthy or better. Other versions say someone better than she Say better or more worthy. Say more worthy. More worthy. So already, because we have seen the attitude of Vashiti, we cannot have another Vashiti in the palace. Okay? So we need to put someone in the palace who is better than the one who was there. But here is the issue. How do you know? that the one that you are going to pick is going to be better than the one who was there. Because the one that you are picking is new to the palace. He or she does not know how everything is done in the royal palace. And the conditions that probably she was exposed to are different from the conditions in the palace. So it is difficult for you to judge that she is worthy having not been exposed to the conditions that Vashiti was exposed to. Okay? That's why every girl is good before you marry her. Okay? And every guy is good before you marry him. Okay? It is only, or oh, Mrs. So-and-so is a good wife because she is exposed to different conditions than the conditions that you are going to expose her to. So there are people who are good before they are exposed to different conditions, circumstances. They are well behaved up until they are exposed to harsh conditions. It is only Jesus who is the same. Yesterday, Today and forever. No condition will change him. So you can actually count on him that he is worthy, he is perfect because no matter the conditions, it will not change him. Are you getting me? So by saying someone who is worthy, they don't really know what they are talking about. <laughs> okay? Because the ladies that are going to come and line up, they will do everything possible in order for them to get into the palace. They will respect the king. They will bow up until they get into the palace. 
You know what I'm talking about. Okay? So, just like everyone is good before they get money, every person is at their best behavior when they are broke. Humble when they are broke. Caring when they are broke. They call you when they are broke. You even wonder, where are they getting airtime to call me when they are broke? But when they have the money, they don't call you because when you are exposed either to plenty or to lack, your real character is not revealed. You didn't get me? You thought I said it the other way. I said it the other way. When you are exposed, when you have got money, that's not your real character. It's money character. There is a poverty character and a money character. So what you find and what you see when people are broke, sometimes it's not their real character. It's what money is sending them to do. I know a lot of people say it the other way, that money reveals your real character. No. Money has got a character. Money has got a character. Okay? Okay, that's not my message. Okay, let me, let me stick to Simon. Okay? So, let's get someone who is more worthy. Now, when you get to chapter number two, and you are seeing the person who is coming into the palace, it really struck me because I did not see someone who appeared to be worthy and better than Vashti. Number one, the person who then got, this is the privilege that we, had because we have now, because we have now the understanding of the lady who then got in. And let's look at the lady who got in. Number one, she was a foreigner. Okay? One who came in as a captive. Number two, she was an orphan. Okay? She was a captive. She was a foreigner. Not only was she a captive, the guy who was staying with her was a security guard. Now, if we are to be honest, that's not really a person that we can say worthy to then assume the royal position as the queen of the land. Despised, you know, captives, they used to do very cheap jobs, like the one that Nehemiah was doing, cupbearer of the king. They were there in the palace, just making sure that the palace is clean. They never assumed high positions of authority. So now when Esther is coming in, Esther is coming in and she's assuming all those amazing positions. All right? Not only is she the queen, not only is she the, the wife, but the king then gave Esther authority, even greater authority than the authority that Vashidi had. Right? But now the Bible says this is the one worthy. Now what made or what makes one worthy? That's what we're going to look at today. Because the replacement, look at it. Israel is there. They have a covenant with God. They've got a history with God. And God is now looking for a people to replace Israel. And guess his choice? Gentiles. 
Okay? It, 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 it cannot get any worse. You, are, you, you have got a people who have got a God. Yes, they are disobedient, but at least they have got a God. And then you look for a people. Ephesians. Give me Ephesians chapter number 3. No, 4. No, 2. Ephesians chapter number 2, verse 11. Ephesians 2 from verse 11. Look at us now. This is the ones that God found worthy. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by humans. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ. Look at the people worthy. Excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. And strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. No hope without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. How were you brought near? By the blood of Christ. You were not brought near by prayer and fasting. You were not brought near by seven days and seven nights. Forty days and forty nights did not bring you near. You were brought near by the blood of Jesus. Now this is important. Everything else is good to do. The praying, the fasting, you can go ahead and do all that, but they cannot bring you near. You are doing that because you are already near. And how near are you? You are in and he is in you. Good Lord. I saw a verse yesterday. I won't tell you where it is, but I'll tell you what it says. And, and it blessed me. It says, if the roots be holy, then the branches are holy also. If the roots be holy, then the branches are holy also. Then John 15 says, you are the branches, I am the vine. So if the root is holy, what happens to the branches? The holiness of the root is passed on to the branches. So you were already brought near. Okay? For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing walls. By abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two one new man, thus establishing peace. So are you seeing this? You were once not a people. Look at Esther. She was not regarded as a person. She was a captive. She was a safe girl. Right? And now she's coming in. She did not believe in the gods of the land. Hopeless situation. Don't even know the date you are going to go back to Israel, if ever you are going to make it alive and go back. And now the Bible says, you who were once not a people, when God looked at you, he says, you know what? I am going to bring them back. Why bringing them back? Because I see them as worthy. Our worthiness is not because of what we do. 
but because of how he sees us. Okay? It's not what we do, but the value that has been put on us by God. God has put value on you. Romans chapter 5, while we were yet sinners, verse 8, verse 6, this is how God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. At what point? When we were yet sinners. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world. And when he loved the world, there was no saint in the world. All of us were sinners, but God loved the world. He looked at you and he says, He is worthy, she is worthy for me to die and to lay my life for their redemption. So when you see yourself, you need to begin to see yourself as worthy, not because of your background, not because of where you're coming from, not because of how many hours you pray, but simply because of the one that you have believed in. He says you are worthy, and he saw it fit to shed his own blood for you, and you need to begin to respect yourself. Do you respect yourself? Do you see yourself the way God sees you? You need to begin to see yourself the way God sees you. So this morning, as I was meditating on this, God dropped something in my spirit. Let me just read it quickly to you. Because this is what sometimes we spend most of our time trying to do. You cannot determine your worth by something that was not worthy to purchase you. This was God's word to me. You cannot determine your worth by something that was not worthy. Give me first Peter, please. Chapter number one. Something that was not worthy to purchase you, and yet that's the very same thing that we are trying to use to determine our worth. What is your worth? Right? How much are you worth? I'm worth the blood that was shed for me. That's how I'm how much I'm worth. Okay? Verse 18, please. Give me verse 18. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. You were not bought, you were not redeemed by corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. Verse 19. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamp without blemish and without spot. But you know what ignorance will do? Ignorance will make you value you or value yourself by what you have in your account and not by the blood that purchased you. How can you determine how important you are in the eyes of God? By something that did not even qualify. God did not find it worthy to purchase you using silver or gold. It was not good enough to buy you, not you the righteous one. Silver and gold was not good enough to buy you the sinner. Okay? To buy you the sinner, silver and gold was not good enough. It was considered worthless. The blood of animals, bulls, it was considered worthless. You a sinner and the blood of animals, it was not good enough. You in a fallen state, silver and gold that you are after so much in the name of the life of kingdom, 
Yet sometimes it's actually greed. Okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes like, you know, we are kingdom people. We need this kingdom. No, sometimes it's actually pure greed. How do you know that it is greed? You only know that it is greed because your wealth will not in any way impact the kingdom that you belong to. It only impacts you. Yet the whole idea of wealth is to manifest the kingdom of God, is to help establish the kingdom of God. So greed is only known by what you do when you have the money. Not by your prayer and by telling God you are not greedy. Kingdom money has to benefit the kingdom. It has to help expand the kingdom. If kingdom prosperity, in quotes, is only benefiting you, then you are not yet prosperous. Because to Abraham, he says, I am blessing you to be a blessing to others. I am blessing you to be a blessing. That's the prosperity of God. You will see that in the book of Esther. God put you there for a time like this. But in case you feel comfortable, you know what, Esther? God is going to raise an, our help from another source. Look, God can replace people. Read the Bible. That time of thinking that, well, what is mine? You see, when God put... No, no, no. God will never he, have his work stalled by people. He will move on to the next one. And the next one. And the next one. Because if we have power to stop the movement of God by our disobedience, then God has failed to be God. Your disobedience... Do you know, that's why sometimes if you, you know, God speaks here and God plants a word in you and you decide to keep quiet, you hear the same word coming from the back there. You know why it will come from the back? It will come from the back because God says, well, I will not have your pride stop me from communicating my message to my people. So you are proud, I'll leave you and I'll find someone. And he says, I can even look for stones to fulfill my purpose because my purpose is greater than your ego. Right? So the worth, church, when you understand who you were when he found you and paid for you and he saw your worth when you were a sinner, you need to begin to value yourself. You need to begin to value yourself. How do you value yourself? By not entertaining the thoughts of the enemy. Every time you are worried, you, are, you, have, you have... Come on. That's why I, I've made a decision not to worry, not to stress, because I realize stress is a decision that you choose to make. If you feel like, you know what, this life is stressing me, downsize. Live where you have no stress. Simple. Your worth is not in your car. Car takes you from point A to point B. Your worth is not where in where you stay. Your worth is in the blood that was. Woo! How much are you worth? 
Like, yeah, I've got five properties. Well, you have five properties, praise the Lord. But I'm worth the blood that was shed for me. It's good enough. It's good enough. Because these ones, the Bible says, they are corruptible. That's why when they go, you go. When you lose, you stress. High blood pressure caused by lack of money. When God is present. And the rest of your life, you take tablets. Because you just did not believe the word. Oh yeah. Let me say that again. High blood pressure. For God's children. It's a choice. Of those who chose not to believe the word. I know you don't like it. But this is the truth. You don't like it because you have it. But you know what? You can choose. To set your mind on what is good, what is perfect, what is lovely, and move from high blood pressure to normal. It's a choice. The same way, if you just change the way you think, I'm telling you, high blood pressure and all this, change the way you think and see if you will not start living a victorious life. Worthy. I don't have high blood pressure for your information. I'm as healthy as you can ever imagine. Healthy, joyful, happy. Because now I realized private schools somewhere. There are public schools somewhere. I, you know, I spoke to you about the very same things three years ago. Same things. I keep repeating the same thing. To some of you who come where I come from, Zimbabwe, the standard of the public schools here is private school in Zimbabwe. Why not just send your child to the private school in Zimbabwe, which is public here? You, if, you, if you got me. Your worth, church, I, I want to just help you. I'm not saying go take your children out of school. I'm simply saying if you are doing it to try and put value on yourself, your value is determined by the cross. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else. Don't stress about us. We cannot put value on you. Because we are just like you, redeemed by the same blood that redeemed you. Stop living for people. And live to please him. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12. Colossians 1 12. Listen to what the Bible says. Give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Say qualified. The Father qualified. So, you being worthy is the work of the King. It is the King who makes you worthy. Remember what we saw? You don't come in worthy. You are made worthy by the King. Okay? We did not get saved because we were worthy. We got saved because the king wanted to make us worthy. He qualified us. So it will be wrong for Esther when she comes in and she hears that we are looking for people worthy and says, you know what? So I was good enough. No. Look, we are looking for someone who would say yes to the king. That's it. Because saying yes to the king is agreeing to the 
it is agreeing to the standard. Yes, that's the right word. It is agreeing to the standard that God has set of what is worthy and what is not worthy. So God is looking for people who say yes. If you learn to just say yes, the same way you said yes when you got born again, you are halfway to a happy life. When God says you are blessed, you say yes. When God says you are favored, you say yes. When God says you are healed, you say yes. When God says you are prosperous, you say yes. When God says you are above and not beneath, you say yes. When God says you are the light of the world, you say yes. When God says that I am in you, you say yes. When God says that you come from heaven, you say yes. When God says you are from above, you say yes. When God says that you are forgiven, you say yes. When God says that you are loved, you say yes. Whatever he says must always receive a response that is positive from you. Then he looks at you and says, worthy. Okay. So you are made worthy. We were made worthy, church. This is, this is amazing. We were made worthy. Give me Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 22. Let's start from verse 1. That's going to be interesting now. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited, the varsities, those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Again he sent out other servants saying, Tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and fattened, fatted calf, cattle, and killed. Sorry, man. My oxen and fatted cattle are killed. I'm thinking of the calf in Luke 15. And all things are ready. Come to the wedding. Just like that older brother was called to come to the party and said, no, I'm not coming. But they made light of it, say made light. It's a scene to make light of what the king values. It's a scene to make light of the blood that was shed for you. It's a scene. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business, so if your family is more important to you than, your, but than God, you have a problem. I'm speaking to farm owners. If your farm is more important and occupies your heart more than your relationship with God, there is a problem. I'll give you a verse for that. And the rest sees these servants. No, go back to the farm. Previous verse. And they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, Another to his business. They made light of the invitation of the king and valued farm business. Let's go. Or career, you can put career there and your family, your children, anything that you can think of that you have made a God in your life. And the rest seized his servants and treated them spitefully and killed them. Let's go. But when the king heard about it, he was furious. And he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers. Now they were murderers. And burned up their city. 
Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. When he invited them, he invited them as worthy. But now he says, because they did not respond positively, and they took lightly what I value, they were not worthy. So your, your, your worthiness is seen when you respond positively to the Lord. It's not in your farm. It's not in the business. The king did not invite them because of the farm of the business. No. He invited them because he just chose to invite them. He wanted to give them worthy. Worth, right? He wanted to give them worth. They decided they were already worthy and they did not need the king's worth. So they said, your party, we are occupied, we've got stuff to do. When you begin to value you over him, then you begin to put worth on farm, on business, career, on everything else, even your religion or your church. It can be very good. But when you begin to value it above the king, then there's a problem. Then he said to yourself, as the wedding is ready, but those who were invited are not worth, were not worthy. Were not worthy. Were not worthy. Next verse. Therefore, go into the highways. Because I am the one who makes those who are not worthy, worthy. So go to the highways. And as many as you find, invite to the wedding. Okay, let's go. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came to see the guests, he saw there a man who did not have on a wedding garment. Well, I don't want to touch on that wedding garment. We've, we've preached on that before. We say that every time when the guests were coming in, the king will give a robe. So you only get into the party with the robe given. Now, this is the king declaring you worthy. So you are invited, you accept the robe, you get in, you are worthy. The bad and the good. He says... All of them, let them come. They're worthy. Same parable, Luke chapter 14. Let's try verse. What verse is it, Ria? 21? Yeah, we spoke about this before. That's why I'm asking uh, which verse is it. So that the, so that the seven came. No, no, let, let's go before that. 20? Let's try 20. I'm supposed to start on 14. 16. Yes, 16. It's good to have a good wife. She's worthy. Because I make her worthy. If you don't respect your wife and you don't value her, you are the one who gives her worth. The same thing. If you are married and you don't respect your husband, you are the one. If you take him like a small boy somewhere. No one will respect him. If you don't, we, don't force us to respect him. Then he said to him, a certain man gave a great 
supper and invited many. I'm preaching good today. And sent his servant at supper time to say, those who were invited, come, for all things are now ready. So we are here because of the excuses. Okay, that's why we are here. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I, I, we, I have just bought a piece of ground. I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. Next one. Remember Pastor Josh's message? You and me, we can understand each other on our excuses. But we'll go to understand yours. Look at this king. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. And I'm going to test them. New car, I'm test driving it. I ask you to have me excused. Next one. Still another said, I have married a wife. And therefore I cannot come. Well, you have to understand. I just got a new wife. I cannot come. Are you seeing this? We all have excuses. We all have reasons. Vashiti had reasons. She was disqualified not because she did not have a logical and a good reason. She was disqualified simply because what made sense to her did not make sense to the king. You see, the message of grace does not make sense to a lot of people. And they disqualify it as cheap. Some call it cheap grace. Some call it hyper grace. And I am a proud preacher of cheap grace and hyper grace. I'm proud to preach hyper grace, bringing confusion to many. I'm proud. Because I'm not the first person to cause confusion and the first preacher to confuse people. I took it from Jesus. Jesus preached and the sermon with everyone confused. And he went. And the disciples came and said, we were all confused. What are you trying to say? And he says, it is not given them to understand the mysteries of the kingdom. But to you, let me explain the sower. The son of man, the seed is the word. I see. So sometimes confusion is good. Because confusion helps you to leave the world of logic and step into what is spiritual. And begin now to have your confusion cleared by an understanding of the word of God as taught by the Holy Ghost himself. This book is my life. This book. I wake up on this book. I meditate on this book day and night. When we say day and night, I mean day and night. I live this. This is my work. This is my territory. This, this book. This is, this is my life. Okay? And I know it so well. This book. <laughs> I'm just telling you. So that you know. I know this book very well. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday and says, uh, this, this. then I says, you know what? I'm an authority when it comes to the word of God. 
I don't speak like, you know, you, you know different problems. There are authorities who are quoted. I'm an authority. You can quote me. When I teach this book, I'm not teaching like there is something that I don't know. I'm teaching you what I know. And I can boldly say anyone who teaches what I don't teach, even if it is me coming back and an angel, let that person be accursed. I can, I can confidently say that to you. You know, you know why? Because God just chose to reveal it to me. Nothing else. Not because I'm smarter, but I made a decision in my early days of ministry that whatever he says, I'll say yes to it. I'll never fight against this. Everything that God says about me is a yes. That's where my worth comes from. You need to come to a place in your life. I don't know if you're hearing me. Sometimes that's why when you, you are stressed, I don't take you very serious. And you, you're stressed, you are this, you are this, I'm stressed. I don't really take you very serious. You know why? Because I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm like, but you have got the book. How come you are not joyful? You have got the sun. How come you are not happy? How come this is not enough? It will not be made enough, this book plus your account. Come on, man. You were bought. You can keep it, my wife. People will think they are my notes. I don't have notes. <laughs> the, the, the notes paper flew. <laughs> Give me Hebrews, please. Hebrews chapter number... Chapter number 3 from verse 1. When you see me preaching with notes, it's a choice that I just make because I want you to see my laptop, that I have a laptop, or that I have a, an iPad or something. I, I don't need it to preach. Right. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle. So who is the first apostle and the great apostle? Jesus. Right, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. Now, wait, Moses, go back, go back, verse 2. Moses also was faithful in all. I want you to see the, the he's there, capital letter H, his house. So, the house did not belong to Moses. The house was his house. And Moses was a servant in a house that was not his. Okay, next verse. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. It just blessed me when I read this. The one who built the house has more honor than the house. Now, this is where we are getting everything wrong in the church. You build your house, you want your honor to come from your house. Yet your house, the house that you're building came from you. Now, if you take your, your, your value, your worth 
from something that came from you. You've got a problem like Jesus deriving his worth from us. No, it doesn't work like that. The one who builds the house has more honor than the house. I want to repeat that. You buy a Ferrari today, you park it outside there. If you want us to congratulate you and respect you because of the Ferrari, that's why you come to this church. There's no special seat. You know, I don't, I don't check what you have in your account and what that. I don't even appreciate you because it's not my duty to appreciate you and respect you. I said it. Now, those who know me, you know me that I don't. Wealth does not make me humble myself because God made me an overseer, a shepherd. Okay? That's why I say there is no one that I cannot rebuke in a church that I pastor. No one. Everyone. From tall to bottom, including myself. If I can rebuke myself, imagine people. Poker. I was talking to another pastor. Say, Pastor, I'm, uh, he says, you know what, Pastor Dan, I'm having challenges. There's, these people is from another church, no, not ours. These people, they are giving me problems. And now I've decided I'm leaving them. Then I said, my friend, <laughs> you don't leave people. It's against your calling. You don't. You help people. Those who take help will take. Those who don't want will leave it. But you do your part. Okay? So, don't be a person who, who feels good because there is money in the account. I, I say this all the time. I want to say it again. I don't know how many times I have to say it until you are free. Don't be a person who feels good because you've got money. Don't be a person who is joyful, smiling, happy because you've got money in the account. Don't be that. You are cheapening the blood bought you. You are cheapening what bought you. That's why the Bible says, with so much affliction, the church at Macedonia, so much affliction, even in their poverty. Not silver, gold. Something that was not good enough to buy you. And then you take and derive your joy from it. How dare you? And after that, you come and say, Pastor, how, how is it my things are not moving? You know why they are not moving. Someone came to my house some three years ago and says, Pastor, my things are not moving. They came, it was a couple. They came, my, my things are not moving. So I want you to, I don't know what, because I do everything. I say to them, go back home. Figure out why your things are not moving and you come back. They were not happy with me. I sent them back and they went. They came back after two weeks and they says, Pastor, we went, we sat down, we searched our life and uh, still we'd find anything. I said, my friend, you are not yet uh, prepared to get the help that you need. Go back. I won't tell you what is wrong with I know what is wrong with you. But up until you see what is wrong with you, if I tell you, you say, Pastor, is a problem. Go home, figure out what is wrong. The first step is to figure out what is wrong. You know why and what is wrong with you. You know it. But you just don't want. What do you meditate on? What do you think about? What happens when there is no money in the house? That's what's wrong with you. You don't value the word. That's what's wrong with you. You have put your worth on things. 
We can tell when people come here, we can tell with the way you lift up your hands. When I was a young generation, I've got a, a cousin of mine, so we, we used to go and pray quite a lot. I came a long way, church. Very long way. I started holding crusades when I was in high school. I started preaching when I was in grade three. When I'm saying preaching, I'm not just saying preaching. I started to move around preaching. What I'm talking about. So, <laughs> so this guy, every time he would come for a prayer, band, we knew that there's something wrong. We just knew. There's, there is no way when everything is okay, there is no way you see them. But when that thing where they are with is connected to, is closed, they will run to God to open the pump. Not, not for God to be the source, but God, you know, get me there. I, I don't really need you, but if you get me where I get my worth and my value, then I'm sorted. Don't aspire to be Bill Gates. You are bigger than, better than. Don't aspire to be Jeff Bezos and your heart is becoming Jeff Bezos. That's, that's the, the, the desire to be Jesus who owns everything. Everything, including Jeff Bezos, is owned. Bill Gates is owned. Desire the one who owns Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos. When you see me walk around happy, joyful, you think I've got a lot of money. I have a lot of God, if ever there's something like that. Stress-free zone. So next time when he says, ah, my things are not working, I don't know what's happening, check what you are meditating on. If you are saying it and you are stressed, then you have a problem. Master, don't you care that we perish? No, the issue is not master. You panic too much. <laughs> Let someone steal from you. They stole from me one time. I used to be poor. Poor than... Well, I'm on my way to materializing, but I was poorer than I am now. <laughs> I was a pastor. It was in Chitungwiza. So I didn't have a wardrobe. I didn't have any. So my, my, my clothes, I, I would hang them on the, you know, the rail, the curtain rail. Yeah, that's where my... So there was a suit that God had spoken to me that I want you to give this suit to another person. So it was there all and I was not there. And my shoes were there. So the thief came and uh, stole all the suits except that one. It was a nice suit, very nice suit. One of my best. That one was not stolen. The one that I wanted to give, it was not stolen. They, they used a, a wire and they took my, my shoes. So they called me and said, Pastor, there was a break-in. Actually, I was not living in a two-roomed house. I had two rooms that the church rented. The other one was uh, my, my dining and, and I was staying with six guys. So we had two beds. So we had the three of us there and the other guys there. So we're sleeping on the same bed. I was a pastor. I loved Jesus. A lot. And where we were staying, the leader, they did not want us to get mangoes. The elder from church did not want us to get mangoes in the tree. From the tree that was at the house. Uh, God is good. So, <laughs> so
so after it was stolen, guess what happened? They called me, Pastor, it was stolen. Your clothes were stolen. That was my everything. Stolen. Now I'm there, and God spoke to me at that particular time. He says, Dan, whoever steals from you things has not stolen from you. I'm like, okay. And then he says, you need to consider yourself to have been robbed when the word is stolen from you. Because as long as you still have the word, you can still have all the things that were stolen. So the way people panic when they lose stuff, when cars are stolen and all that, they panic as if they lost the word. But when the word is stolen, they don't even know the word has been stolen. How about you get angry? You come to me and say, Pastor, the word was stolen from me. Then we start from there. Every time it's just, ah, did you have a trick? I know I had a trick. How about you have a trick on the word of God? You see, because your worth is connected to things. You will die tomorrow. Who will bury you. You are lucky that Corona did not get you. Otherwise, by now, you would have left all these things that you lie, like and laugh about and all that. We'll be enjoying them now as we speak. Consider it a blessing that you are still alive. Someone says, ah, Pastor, how can you talk like this? Well, heaven is home. Why should we not like to go there? Again, you don't want to go there. Let's go. Ah, 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 big Sunday. Well, I started late, you know, you know that. I don't even have to explain that I started late. You were there, you, you witnessed it. Inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. Next verse, please. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. First Peter. Let's go. First Peter chapter 2 now. From verse 4. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God, and precious. Next verse. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual service, uh, sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So, there is a builder and the builder of the new house, go back to Hebrews chapter 3, it's now Christ. And Christ, let's start on verse 4, Christ who is the builder is building the house. And we are the house as living stones. We are being built up okay so the christ who is building us up has more honor than us but you see our honor is coming from the one who is building us you see what is happening his honor is greater than us and our honor is being built by the one who owns the whole world so where is the worth coming from? He is giving us worth and value. It is Jesus who gives us worth and value. There is no worth outside Jesus. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. Five and six. Verse five. 
And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. Six. But Christ is a son over his own house, whose house we are. Whose house we are. Come on, do you know what that means? Whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Whose house we are. You, you look at yourself, you, you think you are worthless. Yet Christ is staying in you. You are the house of Christ. Come on, church. I, I, don't, know, I don't know where the devil messes up. These things are straightforward. You are the house of Christ. You are owned by Christ. If Christ is to take someone to his house, he says, let's go chill. Let's go to my house. Guess where he comes? When he so decides to get angels and say, let's go to my house, guess where he will come to? He will come to you. Yes, my crib. And show. Come on, man. That's why the Bible says the whole world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. And meanwhile, you are having a pity party. Accusing God for not being a good house. Meanwhile, you are there confused. You, you don't know that you are a house of God. Worthy. He gives you worth. He takes the worthless and makes the things that are worthless to be of worth. The moment he chooses you, he has given you worth. The moment you say, yes, Lord, he gives you worth. He imparts himself on you. And when he looks at you, he says, you know what? You have replaced the one who was there. And drum roll. Then Colossians chapter number two. You were circumcised by a circumcision that was not made by humans. The foreskin was removed. The body of sin taken away. And guess what now? You cannot sin anymore. Right? Remember, you were replaced. But when you are there, Esther, don't think you go the varsity way. Because you are the final one. There cannot be another replacement. Because once you are circumcised, you cannot undo the circumcision. someone is busy arguing, oh, can we lose our salvation? Well, if you can get the foreskin back, let's start there. Just as if you are circumcised and you remove the foreskin, if, can you take it back? If they say no, then it says, up until you are able to put the foreskin back properly. As it was, then we start to continue with the argument whether you can lose or not. Says, but it was a decision that you made. Can you not make another decision again? That is bad. The problem is you think you made a decision. You don't know that you were chosen. And you said yes to the choosing. So the one who chose you did not make a decision. A, a wrong decision. Okay? Are you, are you following this? You need to understand the replacement. Once you are in there, Esther, be confident to carry out your duties as a queen. 
Because now you are in the office where worth has been imparted on you and you cannot miss can't anymore. Even if you wanted to go to hell, you can't. Even if you wanted, if you are born again, you can't. You know why you cannot make another decision that is bad? You know why? Because because the life that you live, it's no longer you, it's now him. How can he make another decision to step out of himself? He says, ah, no, it was a wrong decision. Now I want to go out. Church, what we have in Christ Jesus. That's why Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding, please. The eyes of your understanding, may they be open for you to know that the access that you now have is 24-7 and that you are the house of God, the temple of God. And he has given you worth. Don't, you know, your worth should not come from anything else. From your children. I spoke at one time about idolatry. It says your child can be your idol. Your parent can be your idol. Your marriage can be an, an idol. Your wife can be an idol. Your spouse can be an idol. Anything that you derive worth from. You have put that thing above you. That's why it, it has to give you what you don't have. But these things, we give them worth. This suit must count it blessed. It must. It's not, it's not making me look good. I'm making it look good. I'm the one who got into the shop and says, of all these ones, I've chosen to make this one great. Oh, yeah. I've chosen to make this one great. Because because it's now mine. Guess what? There's Christ in me, him in me, and the suit. Ah. Give God praise. So next week we'll be talking about the formula. Yes, you can come. And by the way, you're looking good. You're spot on. Well, you always look good. Because sometimes when you say you look good, they think, oh, are you saying last week I wasn't? Um, 